Welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, August 12th, 2022. Now, every red-blooded American has to be outraged. Every freedom-loving American has to be outraged over the FBI and the Department of Justice this past week. To raid Mar-a-Lago, a former president's residence, over some pieces of paper that some bureaucratic nerd said they didn't receive. We know what's going on here. They're after Trump. They don't want Trump to run. And as you must have heard hundreds of times this past week, if they can do it to Trump, they can do it to you. And they will. I'll get into that later with the 87,000 IRS agents that are being hired. With guns. This is not funny. I think it was Sebastian Gorka mentioned that any FBI agent that has a conscience, that has ethics, should resign immediately. And you have to do that to save your organization. Because your organizations, your agencies, your brioros, they're going down. Once the Republicans take over, these investigations are not going to stop. And there are good people in the FBI. But you likely should resign because you are going to get caught up in the firestorm that's coming once the Republicans take over. Now, I've mentioned before in the past that a dear friend of mine was a member of the Bureau. And he quit. He couldn't take what was going on. It was overly politicized. And it wasn't just the the people in the C-suites. It trickled down into the rank and file. And he goes, this is not what I joined the FBI for. And this guy is a brilliant guy. And this guy is a regular guy. Just as moral as any other American at the time. But he saw it coming. And he said, enough of this. I want no part of this. And this is what members of the Department of Justice and the FBI have to do today. In a way, it's self-serving, as I said before, because you're going to get caught up in this whirlwind that's coming. And this is not funny stuff. You know, I like to take light of a lot of things, but this is really not funny stuff. When you could do this to the former president of the United States, this is Cuba. This is Cuba and Castro. People disappear. In Cuba. I'm sure the Department of Justice and Joe Biden want Trump to disappear. But this is not in America. We have to save this. We have to save America. And this is how we save America. By protecting this president and rallying around this president. Because if they can do it to him, they can do it to you. And you have to get involved. If it's being a committee man in the Republican Party, if it's being a poll watcher, you have to do it. You have to get involved. There's no choice. Now, I hear these religious people that's, you know, they don't want to fight. Oh, this is God's will. We have to let God's will happen. No, that's, that's not what God, God wants you to fight. God wants you to fight for a free and fair country. So you're really not being a good Christian when you say, oh, you know, God, it's God's will that the uh, Trump gets raided. No, you have to fight this. God gave us free will to fight. And maybe it's God's will that we do fight back. It's 
So I like to go to timeline just to point out the absurdity of what they're doing. They're using the levers of the administrative state to take down a former president of the United States and to take down you and me. But the upside is they're so incompetent that I don't think they can get it done. But that's no excuse. They have to be, the administrative state has to be altered. They're full of evil and incompetent people. I don't know who it said. I think maybe it was my dad said, going through life arrogant and stupid is not a good thing. And this is the administrative state today. They're arrogant, they have power, but they're stupid. And stupid people with power do tremendously bad things. And that's what's going on today with Trump. And we have to fight this. So I like to go to timeline just to put, just to frame this whole thing. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go directly to the CNN website just to frame this whole stupidity, this whole evil stupidity taking place against the former president of the United States. So it all started in May 2021. And again, this is how the administrative state concocts these things. They weren't finished with Trump. They were after Trump the day he left. So this is just one of the events that the administrative state, deep state, whatever you want to call it, right now it's the same thing. Because as this whole thing is blowing up in Washington's face, right now I find very little difference between the deep state and the administrative state. So May 2021, that's over a year ago, it says an official from the National Archives contacts the Trump's team about several important documents that weren't handed over before Trump left the White House. And what the National Archive is, it's a librarian on steroids. Some of you are old enough to remember going to a library and you got the librarian sitting behind your desk going, shh, shh, control freak. And that's what we have here. And as they swore in their allegiance to the Democratic Party and the deep state and the administrative state, they rose up on in, in the ladder. And those at the top of the National Archives, they wanted to get Trump. And you know what they wanted? And this is according to CNN. We're, we're missing some of Trump's letters to Kim Jong-un. Where were those love letters that everybody talked about Trump writing to Kim Jong-un? I don't have them. Where are they? They're missing. You know what else is missing? We want the map of Hurricane Dorian that Trump drew on at one of his press conferences. Where is it? It's missing. So that's how this whole thing started, according to CNN. They wanted Trump's love letters to Kim Jong-un, and they wanted Trump's map. Now, I'm sure there's some other things, but that's how this whole thing started. And I'll tell you, nine times out of 10, because I've dealt with these type of bureaucrats, they lose these documents, and then they claim they never got them just to cover their own butts. Maybe it happened here. Maybe it didn't. But nevertheless, they're asking for it. And this is what they're asking for. So then in the fall, later on that year in 2021, National Archives gets frustrated because they're getting a slow walk from the Trump team. 
Then the Trump team had told the National Archives about some boxes that were taken from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. So in January of 2022, the National Archives retrieves 15 boxes of White House records from Mar-a-Lago, what they talked about. National Archives says in a statement that some of the records it received at the end of Trump's administration were torn up. Oh my God, they were torn up. Now, I, you know, I don't know if you remember, uh, Trump had a bad habit of tearing up some of the documents after he's finished with them. And I can understand why he does that. Because at some point, these layers and layers of documents he receives as presidents are irrelevant and can only confuse you later. So the ones that he finished with, he just tear, you know, a good, a good businessman likely does that. That's, that's the mark of a good businessman. Get rid of the documents that are irrelevant. And in his mind, though, that, that some of those documents were irrelevant. He wasn't trying to cheat anybody. Because as you know, those torn up documents were found in those boxes. But oh my God, to the National Archives, the librarians, oh my God, he tore it up. This is terrible. And then they said they found some, some materials that were part of a special access program known as SAP which is a classification that includes protocols to significantly limit who has access to this information. Now, you talk about bureaucratic language that probably is meaningless, but in the right context, you can make it look like Trump did something wrong. So, as a result of Trump tearing up documents, oh my God, tearing up documents, they didn't throw them out. They were put in the box. The National Archives asked the Justice Department to investigate Trump. Because this could be a violation of the National Presidential Records Retention Act. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to prosecute a president over tearing up some papers out of habit. Because they, the record said all Records created by a sitting president have to be turned over to the National Archives at the end of their administration. So then, National Records informs the Justice Department, hey, some of the records we got were, were classified. And he tore up some of the documents. What they don't tell you is that these, the documents he tore up weren't the classified documents. But CNN is trying to make it appear that he did. And one thing I just have to note is we're not sure that these documents are classified. Trump had declassified a massive amount of records before he left office. So for every bureaucrat saying, oh, he has classified documents, Trump lawyers are going to say, they're not classified. So there's going to be all this litigation, all this waste of time just to hurt Trump. And they're going to argue on whether these documents are actually classified or not. And tearing up documents is... Not preserving the documents. Oh my God, let's, we, you have to investigate this. So then what happens, the Justice Department coordinates with National Archives to get a subpoena so they can take a look at what the National Archives took. And they took it to a grand jury. And they said, look, the National Archives is saying that Trump tore up this paper. It's, it's a violation. There's some classified documents here. So then on June 3rd, after the subpoena 
Four investigators, including a top Justice Department counterintelligence official, visit Mar-a-Lago seeking more information about classified materials that had been taken to Florida. Now, you talk about a coordinated scam to get Trump. So the four investigators meet at Mar-a-Lago with Trump's attorneys and look around the basement room where the documents are being stored. Trump briefly stops by the meeting to say hello to the officials, but he does not answer any questions. During the meeting, the federal officials serve a grand jury subpoena for some of the sensitive national security documents on the premises, and they take away the subpoenaed documents. Then five days later, on June 8th, Trump's attorneys receive a letter from federal investigators asking them to further secure the room where documents are being stored. In response, Trump aides add a, add a padlock to the room in the basement at Mar-a-Lago. So they, they took the documents. They didn't take all the documents. And they tell Trump's attorneys at Mar-a-Lago, all right, we, we got documents, but the ones that are remaining in there, just put them in, a, you know, keep them padlocked. Well, to me and any other normal American would say, oh, okay, they took the ones that they wanted and they left the ones that they didn't. But not the Justice Department on August 8th, the day that Richard Nixon resigned. It's funny how these were. These people love dates. They love to execute things on dates. I don't know why. But I'm sure the fact that Richard Nixon resigned on August 8th had something to do with that this raid. So they, they raid Mar-a-Lago and they take the documents that they already saw and didn't take. So apparently to me, they had to keep something there for a good dog and pony show. They knew this thing was coming. They knew uh, Mar-a-Lago was going to get raided. They went in there. They didn't take everything because you know what? We needed something for the dog and pony show that, that was coming on August 8th. That's why they left the documents there. Their whole intent was to raid Mar-a-Lago. From the time that the National Archives said they were missing the love letters from Trump to Kim Jong-un, to the first visit from the Justice Department at Mar-a-Lago, saying, hey, just padlock those other ones. This was a setup. But it didn't go as well as they hoped. There was huge backlash by the public. Alan Dershowitz said, oh, this is awful. I'm not using his same words. Even the, the so-called legal experts on CNN said this is wrong. And with that said, I'm going to go to a clip. And it's uh, Paul Callan, one of the legal experts at CNN. So let me just play it, and then we'll come back and discuss. Questions. There are not a lot more answers to come. We've heard a lot about the Presidential Records Act now and have for quite some time. If this becomes a Presidential Records Act violation, not more, do you think it is enough to warrant all of this? No, it's not enough to warrant all this. And this is a daring and dangerous move by the Department of Justice to serve a warrant on a former president and to raid his personal residence. So everything's hitting the fan for the Department of Justice and the FBI after this. They knew they made a mistake on this thing. And what is a swampy bureaucrat going to do? Under those circumstances, and I'm specifically talking about Garland, he's going to leak a story to Newsweek. 
that says, hey, the attorney general knew nothing about this. And you know what happened when that story came out? I dollars to donuts. Chris Ray went nuts. And what happens in those situations? He called the chief of staff to the president of the United States and said, wait a second, I'm not taking the heat for this. Garland was on board with this thing. And now he's leaking stories to Newsweek saying that he knew nothing about it. Because you know the unnamed source in the Newsweek article was Garland. That's how they work. It's illegal. And how ironic is that? But that's how the Department of Justice works. So I'm sure Ray was apoplectic saying, I'm not taking the heat for this. And because of that, I'm sure the White House forced Garland into making this speech. And it was about a four-minute speech, but I'm just going to play the one key takeaway from his speech. There are, however, certain points I want you to know. First, I personally approved the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. And again, this was the key part of the speech. It was a four-minute speech, but the key part was him just fessing up to the fact that, yep, he approved it. Contrary to the Newsweek article, which he put out there a day before. So again, I know how these things work. Chris Ray goes apoplectic. He goes to the chief of staff of the White House. They have a meeting, and Garland is forced to fess up to this. Because... The FBI director is not taking the heat on this alone. And that's how they work in Washington. So it wasn't about Garland releasing or taking the steps to have the subpoena and the documents retrieved released. It was about him being forced to say that he approved it. Now, the other question is, is that White House, White House knew about this. question is, did Joe know about it? And you know what? It's irrelevant. Joe Biden is irrelevant. It's what the White House knew. The White House knew this. Now, the interesting thing is, is that here's the game plan that the Department of Justice is going to use. And this whole game plan is, I, I just found out, they're gonna, apparently they're trying to tag a violation of the Espionage Act on Trump. So what they're going to do, they're going to use this big, this terrible sounding act, the Espionage Act. Trump is a, Trump is a spy. He's, under, he's undermining the country. So they're going to use that. They planted that seed in the press. And here's the ironic thing, too, is that this is illegal. Planting all this information to, in the press by the Department of Justice is illegal. And you've got Garland is saying, oh, we do everything according to Hoyle, according to law. Except when we break the law. That's so rich. But getting back to the Espionage Act, that's what they're going to do. They're going to say, oh, Trump is potentially violating the Espionage Act. And I've got the documents. I'm going to read the documents and release the documents. I'm going to release the documents. And guess what? They're going to be so redacted, no one is going to know what or what the heck these documents mean. And that's the game that they play. Well, you know, we're looking at it under the Espionage Act, and here's the documents. But the documents don't say anything. It's too sensitive. And that's the game they're going to play. And Trump is going to beat them. 
He'll beat him in the court of law. He'll beat him in the court of public opinion. But this is what they're trying to do. So we shall see. So the deep state and the Democrats have the Department of Justice and the FBI going after Trump. Meanwhile, they will push the IRS on you and me. And the reason I say that, and I think many of people that are listening are aware, is that the Inflation Reduction Act, which is far from reality. Again, as I said before, anything that Democrats say, it's the opposite. So if they're preparing an Inflation Reduction Act, it's going to result in the opposite. So one of the things in this so-called Inflation Reduction Act is the hiring of 87,000 IRS agents, many of whom will be armed. I don't know who showed it. It was a picture of Giant Stadium. I think Giant Stadium is, holds about 78,000, 80,000. But he showed a picture of Giant Stadium, and he said, look, this is how many IRS agents are being hired. And they're not going after Bill Gates. They're not going after Elon Musk. These 87,000 are going after you and me. The middle class, the upper middle class, the lower class, the Hispanics. They are going to use these newly hired IRS agents to harass and to go after their political enemies. And we know why they're going to do this. Bill Gates can afford millions of dollars in attorney's fees to fight them. So can Elon Musk. But the average businessman, the average small businessman, the average Joe that has to work two jobs to feed his kids, they will have a much harder time defending themselves against the IRS than Musk or Gates. And that's why they're doing this. It's their shock troops. And the way I look at this is this is just more people that Trump is going to fire when he gets back in office. So don't be afraid. These people are going to come after you. Fight them. Push back hard. You will win. And don't be afraid. <laughs> now, speaking of irrelevant Joe Biden... I just had to laugh, and I'm, I'm going to play a clip by him. Uh, year over year, CPI came out, and it came out at 8.5%. So uh, year over year, last month it was 9.1%, and this month, year over year, it's 8.5%, which is still historically high. And what does Joe Biden do? He declares that inflation is at zero. And I, even the Democrats that support him, they got to be scratching their head. Wait a second, inflation is at zero? I'm still paying $4 a gallon for gasoline? I'm paying $8 a gallon for, uh, $8 a pound for chuck steak? Something's, you know, something's wrong here. So let me just go to this clip. And it, it's Joe, proud Joe, proud, irrelevant Joe, announcing inflation is at zero. So let's go to the clip and then we'll discuss. Actually, I just want to say a number. Zero. 
Today, we received news that our economy had 0% inflation in the month of July. 0%. Here's what that means. While the price of some things go up, went up last month, the price of other things went down by the same amount. The result, zero inflation last month. So let's add this to the list. They redefined, or they've changed the definition of what a female is. They've changed the definition of what a vaccine is. They've changed the definition of what it means to be vaccinated. They've changed the definition of what a recession is. And now they're changing the definition of what inflation is. And, you know, look, if you want to believe them, if you're a diehard Democrat that want to believe them, go ahead and knock yourself out. But most Americans don't. And he keeps on talking zero, zero, zero. You know, unfortunately, I think zero is the number of active brain cells he has left in his head. So we shall see. Now, with that said, uh, I'm feeling a little under the weather today, so I'm going to cut this episode short. But you have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday. And again, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.